It's the Mal and Mud Podcast, your place for all sports debates. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Mal and Mud Podcast. I'm Zach Malamud, along here with Josh Mallet. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready for the show. We have a jam-packed day, so let's get right into it. We're going to start off in the NFL, and the NFL Players Association has voted earlier this week to not play any preseason games for the upcoming 2020 season. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on the NFL not playing any preseason games this year? I don't really mind there being no pre, there potentially being no preseason games. Personally, I don't really watch the NFL preseason. I know that the games don't really get that good of ratings anyway. And a big argument, like over the years, for why there should be no preseason games is why should there be such a big injury risk for games that don't even matter? And, and the season wouldn't have even started yet before um, before the preseason began. So many people don't see a point in there being preseason games. So the NFL proposed to cut it down from four games to two games, but the uh, Players Association for the NFL wants there to be no preseason games. Yeah, the NFL did reduce to the preseason to two games on Wednesday, but I think the NFL would struggle without preseason games, actually. I don't know how the players and the owners will feel about this. The players that really want it, the owners, we haven't heard from them yet, but taking away preseason and taking away these players' chances to prove themselves for being on a team won't be smart for the NFL, I don't think. And the biggest days throughout the preseason, and really the only important days, are cut days. And with no preseason, these teams are looking at players just through training camps and workouts. And in training camps, players not may not be 100% healthy, and they're only going against other players on their team. So you could say that the, the players deserve to be on these teams, but they don't really have a fair chance to make them without an NFL preseason. And I think the NFL will make things a lot harder for the owners and general managers by accepting this plan. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of positives and a lot of negatives to preseason games. Obviously, the big negative, what I just mentioned before, a lot of extra injuries that happen before the real season, the season that matters, begins. But there's a lot of positives. As recently as last year, the Giants were able to see what Daniel Jones could do in the preseason, which led to him getting a starting job as early as week three of the regular season last year. So the preseason allows you to really scout your rookies, see what they can do in a real live game action, and it allows the players to prove themselves and make a name for themselves to possibly make the big squad and to show the team what they can do yeah and for the players I can understand this because most of them think that they are probably locks on their teams and they don't want to uh, take that risk of an injury but the players that don't have a job or don't have those top level abilities they might not try out because they might not have the same chance that they would have had in previous years yeah, and for guys like, you know, for our team, Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell, you can understand why they think spring, um, preseason games are a bit pointless because they don't want to risk injury. They have nothing to prove. They've already locked their positions on the roster. What's the point in them partaking in, in these kind of meaningless games? So you can understand from their point of view. But for a guy like a Daniel Jones last year or a new rookie like Andrew Thomas, and the, the offensive lineman that the Giants just drafted this year, Makai Becton, who the Jets drafted, you can understand why they'd want to get some, action, some game action to prepare them for what the NFL games would really be like come the regular season. 
Yeah, I'm really curious what the NFL owners and the general managers think about this because they did reduce the preseason to two games on Wednesday, so they could look at maybe no preseason games and they could just go off of workouts and training camps to look at the different players that they have on their roster and maybe they could get a a a gem and sign one of them and get them on their roster but it definitely will be interesting to see what happens if the nfl owners accept the plan for no preseason games for this upcoming season We're going to move over to our next topic, and we have some news coming out of the MLB as Mike Trout has been showing up to team workouts this summer, but he is still not sure if he wants to play, and he is a bit uncomfortable playing this season. So, Josh, what would losing a player like Mike Trout do for baseball this season? This would not be good for baseball at all. The MLB already looks bad enough for how poorly the negotiations went between the players and the owners and not being able to come to an agreement. And on top of that, if they're not able to get their best player in the whole entire sport to play in Mike Trout, that would just not be a good look for the sport of baseball. And fans are already... Baseball is still expected to lose many fans after the way that both sides acted during these negotiations. And a big draw for these fans to continue to watch games is to watch the best players like a Mike Trout play. And that would just completely eliminate the draw to watch an Angels game, say, if it were on national TV, if a guy like Mike Trout weren't playing. Yeah, I think it would really hurt the sport when they restart. Losing a player like Mike Trout definitely hurts ratings more than anything. And we were talking about a guy who is a three-time MVP and an eight-time All-Star with a career batting average of .305. This guy is unbelievable, and seeing him hit a ball that is at his shins and crushing it into deep center field for a home run is one of the things that makes baseball great. And not having a player of his caliber will hurt a lot of TV ratings, something that the MLB is relying on to keep baseball going for this upcoming season. Yeah, and not only would this hurt baseball in, in terms of attracting fans to watch the games, but this would also hurt Mike Trout and his personal you know, accolades that he wants to reach in his career. This is a prime season for him. You know, he, He's a, a great player throughout his 20s, and he's really entering his prime at 28, and somehow, as good as Mike Trout is, he seems to get better as he gets older. So you can't help but think that this is a prime season that he would be missing out on should he elect to not play again at the age of only 20. It's, it's hard to believe he's been around so long. He's only 28 years old this year. And on top of that, Mike Trout has only been to the postseason one time in his career, and that came back in 2014 in which his team got swept. So he's still yet to get a postseason win. He does have one career postseason home run, but still, this is the best player in the game, and this is a guy that everybody wants to see on the national stage. And many people think, or in, including Harold Reynolds, who I watched on MLB Network this morning, he made a great point when he said that this could be Mike Trout's best chance to get to the postseason because this is just a 60-game schedule. And so many people have ripped the fact that the Angels have a lack of a pitching staff and you know n- not enough pitching to get themselves through a 162-game season in order to get into the playoffs. But now with a 60-game season, their lack of pitching could be kind of hidden with the amount of sluggers that they 
they have in their lineup, and he believes that the Angels could potentially slug their way to the postseason. So not only would this hurt the MLB in terms of the fans watching the game, but also for Mike Trout personally to get himself into the postseason. This could be a killer for him, and this could be a golden opportunity in a 60-game season with the lineup that he's surrounded by to get into the playoffs. Yeah, Trout gets better and better every year in most categories. He's led the league in on-base percentage the last four years. He's a seven-time Silver Slugger winner, and he averages 39 home runs and 102 RBIs per season throughout his career. He's so far one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and he wants to get his Angels to the playoffs. Like you said, I think losing a year like this, where he has the best chance to get to the playoffs, will hurt him and the Angels franchise a lot. Because a 60-game season, we, we were talking about teams, maybe the Marlins, maybe the, the, the Tigers, excuse me. They could all have their best chance to get to the playoffs. They, they don't need to go on those 50-game runs type of thing uh, in a 162-game season versus now where they can go on those runs and get deep into the playoffs. So this is definitely the best chance for this Angels team and for Mike Trout to get to the playoffs and upgrade those that one playoff appearance. Yeah, and the Angels, they're really well-equipped with that weak pitching staff to potentially go to the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs with the shortened schedule because despite the lack of pitching, you've got Mike Trout, the acquisition of Anthony Rendon, a healthy Shohei Otani, the Angels hope, as well as Justin Upton coming back. He could be a big guy in, in the... In the, in the four or five hole in their lineup that can get a lot a lot of RBI opportunities hitting behind those talented hitters. And you talk about an aging 40-year-old Albert Pujols, the 60-game schedule, how much this benefits him in keeping him fresh and not running him out there game in, game, game out as, as you know, he continues to age and get older and his age gets up there in his career. And, and then you've got Angelton Simmons. This lineup is loaded. And despite the lack of pitching, they made a couple of low-key acquisitions pitching-wise in Julio Tehran and uh, Dylan Bundy in a trade from the Orioles. So their pitching staff is still weak, but they've still made some quality acquisitions that this is a team that with a 60-game schedule, they could be a dark horse to potentially get to the playoffs and make a run given the circumstances of this year. Yeah, and you're talking about all the guys that they added in their lineup, and now they have a World Series winning coach in Joe Madden. So that's really big for this franchise, and he could get them over the top in a season like this, maybe in the future, but right now they're focusing on Albert Pujols, really, to get him to the playoffs so he can get into those big-time moments with this Angels franchise because time is running short with him, and in a 60-game season, this is probably their best chance to get over the top with him in their lineup. So adding all of these guys, Anthony Rendon, they already have Angelton Simmons, losing a guy like Mike Trout, their best player, one of the best players in the league, arguably the best player in the league. They really need this season and have, not having a player like Mike Trout will really hurt them for the future. Yeah, and Artie Moreno, the Angels owner, has made it clear that he is in win-now mode, spending big for a guy like Anthony Rendon coming off a World Series win with the Washington Nationals. And the Angels, you know, with a guy like Mike Trout, as good as he is, signing him to that monster extension uh, a, year before, a year prior to this year, they can't afford to waste years of Mike Trout's prime in rebuild mode. You have to be all in with a guy as good as Mike Trout on your roster, and you can't afford to waste seasons like they have been early in Mike Trout's career. So this is as good a chance, I believe, with the 60-game schedule, with the pitching staff that the Angels have to, for Mike Trout to potentially get a chance to play on the big stage. 
Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with Mike Trout. He still hasn't made that decision yet if he wants to play this season or if he's going to sit out. But he said he's very uncomfortable right now playing for this season. So we'll see what happens. And if Mike Trout can't play, what it means for the Angels in the future. We're going to move over to our next topic, and we have some breaking news out of the NBA as the Indiana Pacers all-star guard Victor Oladipo has decided to opt out of the NBA restart plan in order to stay home and continue his rehab plan. So Josh, how does Victor Oladipo opting out of the NBA restart hurt the league and the Pacers? This is a huge loss for the Indiana Pacers and a team consisting of a guy like Victor Oladipo and a couple of really good all-star caliber players and DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon along with good role players and Miles Turner, TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb. People thought this is a team that could have made noise in the Eastern Conference, but this is a huge loss losing their best player in Victor Oladipo and to me now for a team that I predicted to get out of the first round in the playoff bracket beating the Miami Heat, I don't think they stand a chance without their best player. Yeah, I think this affects any chance for the Pacers to make a run in this year's playoffs. And yeah, they have DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner and TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon all there to help them carry the to help carry this team into the later rounds of the playoffs. But this Pacers team is just a mediocre team without Oladipo, I think. And I think without Oladipo, they are on the bubble of probably making the playoffs. Maybe a 7 or an 8 seed. Now, they can only move down to probably the 6 seed in this restart plan. But I think they could get swept in the first round for the teams they have to go up against automatically. And they're probably going up against the Celtics or the Heat but they could also go up against the Raptors or the 76ers, depending on the eight-game regular season. But I don't think they're even close to the level of those teams without their star player, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, the whole entire year we were talking about it, how in the East it was very top-heavy and there was a clear top six teams. But now all of a sudden, without Oladipo, I almost want to kick the Pacers out of that top six and say that there's a clear top five teams. And there's a, a very big possibility that the Pacers move down in the standings, the 76ers surpass them, and now the Pacers are set up with, with a very tough first-round matchup against the Boston Celtics, which does not bode well, bode well for them. Them having to go up against Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum without their best player, I do not like the Pacers' chances. Yeah, I had the Pacers getting out in five against the Miami Heat in our earlier predictions, but the NBA was definitely a bit angry after hearing this news because nobody really will want to watch this Pacers team on a primetime game during the restart because people will expect the Pacers to get blown out really every game now that most teams in this NBA restart have that one guy that they can rely on in big moments and the injury from last season has affected Oladipo so far this year only averaging 13-3-3 and in the 13 games he's played but the Pacers are really going to miss him for these playoffs. Yeah, and as far as how this might affect the rest of the league and other individual teams, we've seen, you know, solid players like Trevor Ariza and uh, Avery Bradley opt out of this restart, but Victor Oladipo is really the first high-profile all-star type player to opt out, and you can't help but think, might this start a trend, and might Victor Oladipo be the first of many high-profile all-star players to opt out of this plan? Yeah, last time the Pacers were in the playoffs was 20 set well with Oladipo was 2017-2018 and they lost in 7 games 
but he averaged 22, 8, and 6 in that series. He's been there before uh, with this franchise, so not having him when they get back to it is tough for this team to take that, uh, and they really, it really will hurt them when it gets playoff times and they have to go up against those big top-level teams. Yeah, this is really concerning for the Indiana Pacers because you go back two years ago, they take LeBron James to seven games. They almost defeat him and, and knock him out and end that streak of him making it to the finals every year. And you think from that point on, you, you got a young core, DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, and this could be the next great team that's rising up in the Eastern Conference. But now all of a sudden, last year, Oladipo gets hurt. Now this year, recently they had contract extensions, but it was reported that Oladipo was actually offended by the contract extension that he was offered. So now, for a Pacers team that's in a small market in Indianapolis, and a team that's very conscientious about saving money, and they don't like to spend big in free agency. And Oladipo is a guy that's looking for a max contract, even though he's coming off a big-time injury. This is a big storyline heading into the offseason. Might the Pacers actually trade Oladipo? Yeah, now I can understand why Oladipo is sitting out from this plan, uh, from the NBA restart, because of the quad injury that he's been dealing with, and he's going to rehab a lot more uh, during the NBA restart plan. So he's not going to play, but he's just trying to get back to 100%. So it could be a good sign for future seasons for this Pacers team. But right now, getting back, the world uh, is not right. And getting back from uh, everything that's going on, the Pacers will really miss him for this upcoming playoffs. And they really hope that he gets back to 100% for these future seasons. Yeah, and not only for the Pacers and their hopes of making a deep playoff run, but in terms of Oladipo and the Pacers, if they are looking to trade Oladipo, Oladipo was starting to play a little bit better um, in the last couple of games that he played before the season got shut down. But now, if, the, if you're the Pacers and you're looking to trade him, Oladipo doesn't have a chance to now come back and further his trade value. So if you're the Pacers and you're looking to trade him to get off of his contract to not have to pay him big-time money, uh, and, and not have to extend his contract, you're, not pro you're probably not going to get a maximum return that you would have gotten him had you traded him a year or two prior when he was an all-star caliber player. Yeah, so Victor Oladipo not playing in the NBA restart plan, and it could mean a lot for this Pacers team and for the NBA. We're going to move over to our next topic, and we're staying in the NBA where the league is deciding on a second non-playoff bubble for the bottom eight teams in the league. So, Josh, what do you think about a second bubble for the bottom teams in the NBA? Honestly, I don't really see much of a point in it because you think about all the risk that goes into having one bubble and to have to worry about another bubble where there's even more risk for bad things to happen and pe more people contracting the coronavirus for games that don't even really matter. I'm not really sure what the NBA is trying to accomplish in all of this. I actually agree with it, and I think these players could be off for nine months without games, and that is the big thing for these bottom eight teams, and they need to stay in basketball shape because injuries could be career-ending for a lot of these players if they don't stay in basketball shape. Just getting these players out on the court is a plus for the league, and some players may not go, but... That's perfectly fine because the play, the games won't matter in this and they will only be exhibition games. But what about the young players like a Trey Young or an R.J. Barrett? 
These guys spend so much time working up their NBA careers and a career-ending injury would just be so upsetting for their potential. And we want to see these guys at their highest level throughout their NBA careers and a bad injury from not playing for a while will definitely hurt a franchise. These are top picks in recent drafts that we want to see in the future. So I think this is a great plan uh, that I think the NBA should follow through with. I see what you're saying with the potential injury risk from players not playing for a very long time, but in in my mind, I think the risk is far greater than the reward that you could potentially get out of this. And I just think that basketball players like young stars or young rising stars that you just mentioned, Trey Young, R.J. Barrett, there are plenty of ways for them to remain in basketball shape and play pickup games than to then have to incorporate and for the NBA to be responsible for a whole other bubble and to organize this whole entire thing on top of the NBA meaningful playoffs that are going on. So I think that if you're the NBA, if you are going to incorporate a second bubble, you wait and see how the first one goes before you do a second one. So I understand what you're saying, but I think that For the NBA as of now, I think they should stick with the first one before moving on to the second one because I just think that there's so much more risk than a potential reward from this. Yeah, the bubble is not going to start. The second bubble is not supposed to start until about September. So there is still time to get everything through, get past the second waves of coronavirus in the country And you get to see what happens in Orlando if they follow through and the NBA has a a playoffs uh, for this season. So you get to watch and see what happens and wait till September to figure everything out. But Chicago is a big city. But if they use the right protocols, players and staff will be safe. And, And the reason for this is just so these players can get some competition and have more camaraderie with the rest of their franchise. They they won't be playing with their teammates in pickup games or when they're doing workouts at home. So they get that team chemistry going and they get back to normal uh, when they get ready for the upcoming season, the 2021 NBA season. So the reason for this, like I said, is just to get some competition, just to get back into shape for the upcoming season, get more camaraderie as a franchise so everybody can be safe. uh, And I think this plan will definitely work out if everyone stays safe. This is a perfect idea for the NBA. Now, now you may say for a big reason for why this plan should happen is the a lot of people will be watching the games and the NBA can make back up some of that TV revenue that was lost during the hiatus. But my problem with this is Who's watching these games? If you said that it's going to start in mid-September, that is right in the heart of the NBA playoffs, right around the time where the conference finals and you'll be getting ready for the NBA finals. So who's watching these games and what exactly is the real point that the, that the NBA is trying to get out of making this second bubble? I actually think that the NBA is not trying to get TV ratings on this. I think that because they have that first bubble and hopefully we're really hoping that it follows through, they are hoping that all of the TV revenue will come from that because everybody's starving for sports right now. So they'll get back to sports and they'll watch the first bubble and see everything going on. The big teams in the NBA, can they win a championship? I don't think they're focusing on TV ratings with this second bubble. They're just trying to keep these players safe. So when it comes for future seasons, they're not going back and getting career ending injuries. They're helping them be safe for the future. So I don't think the NBA is really focusing on the money aspect of this and what they're earning for the second non-playoff bubble. I see what you're saying about how the NBA is not really worried about the revenue that's coming in, and this is just for the players' benefit to prevent injuries in the future, warm up 
for the next season, the 2020-2021 season. But my question to you is, how exactly is this benefiting the NBA and what is the NBA getting out of this? Well, the NBA is trying to keep players uh, from not getting injured long term. And not all of these players have to go for this. They don't have to go and meet with their teams. This is just an option so they don't risk getting injured in future seasons. So not all the players have to go. Let's say R.J. Barrett or Trey Young, which will they'll probably end up going. But if they do not want to, they definitely have that choice. This is just a way to get with their team again and get ready for future seasons. So I don't think they're really focusing on anything else. Just keep these players safe and so they can have a lot of competition in the future. You know, there's still a lot of questions that remain unanswered about this. Like, how many games are they going to play? Will they continue from their from their records of where they left off before the hiatus? And we don't even know how the first bubble in Orlando is going to go. So that's really going to determine whether or not they're going to follow through with the Chicago bubble. But it'll be really interesting to see whether or not this actually ends up happening. Yeah, we'll be waiting to see what happens and whether the NBA decides to have a second bubble for the bottom eight teams in the NBA. But there you have it. Thank you for listening to episode 30 of the Mal and Mud podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mal Mud Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with episode 31 and more of the latest sports news. Have a great weekend.